Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by Black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone, so listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And welcome to Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, welcome and hello. Hey, come on in. We have a good time over here. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, enjoy the weather. It's a little drippy today. Ooh. And by drippy, Kristen means she's wearing a bonnet. Okay? If you guys are on Patreon, you get it. You see it. And she's deep conditioning. Period. And I will be dabbing her towel (laughs) every once in a while. (laughs) All right. We're really excited to be back this week. This week's case is pretty titillating, in my opinion. So let's just dive right in. But before we get started, I do want to ask you guys to please follow us on Instagram at Black True Crime Podcast because we have been asking you guys questions in regard. And when I say we, I mean me. Kristen doesn't know what the fuck be going on unless she. No, I don't. Unless I check. Check. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't know. So I've been asking you guys what you want to hear from us in regards to our time in the C-U-L-T. We will be talking about that. We've been owing you guys that video for a very long time. So soon we will be recording that, either recording it or going live. So just follow our Instagram so you're abreast of what's going on with that because it's long overdue for us to talk about it. I'm like, I'm going to have to think. I mean, I'm going to have to do a Jimmy Neutron and think back to those times (laughs) because I've detached from a lot of the things. That took place. Because <laughs> it's fucking do a two-minute job, bitch. Like, you need to do what needs to be done. For... <sighs> I'm going to have to take a CBD gummy. <laughs> oh, my God. I love you. Okay. Are you guys ready? Kristen, are you ready? I'm so excited. Also for my Black History segment. So let's just get into it. Okay, let's get started. An investigative reporter named Fox Butterfield spent 300 hours interviewing a man for a book he was writing about violence in America. The man he interviewed is considered to be the most dangerous man in New York history and had to have a special cell built for him in prison. Join us as we discuss who some call Hannibal Lecter, William Boskett Jr. Shut up! Sister, I'm not done. He Thank you to the, listener oh. Fine China 89 for recommending this case. Hey, friend. thanks Fine China. He puts the lotion in the basket. Just he like does what he is told. Fine China. Mm, mm. All of that. Wow. Love it. Y'all didn't know Kayla could sing. She could sing. I, I can hold a tune. She can sing. Okay. But this case is going to be a mess. So let's get into it. William James Boskett Jr. was born on December 9th, 1962 in Harlem, New York. Kristen, what happened in 1962 
in black history so hello ladies and gents and others Mm. please close your eyes and travel with me to not 1962 but to 1964 in harlem new york where the residents were 70 percent black folks since the 30s two major race riots in 35 and 43 have already taken place due to low pay racial injustices and the mistrust of the police that roamed their streets Mm-hmm. But on July 16th, 1964, just two weeks after President Lyndon B. Johnson signed into the law, the 1964 Civil Rights Act, Lyndon which basically B. means you cannot discriminate because of my skin color or my socioeconomic status, period. But despite that, an altercation between a black boy and a cop ensued in the Manhattan neighborhood of Harlem. It was said that a 15-year-old James Powell threatened Lieutenant Thomas Gilligan with a knife. And in result, the lieutenant shot and killed 15-year-old James Powell. Oh, no. Rest in peace, James Powell. Rest in peace, James Powell. But as you know, protesting started immediately. The first two days were actually peaceful. Mm -hmm. But then... Some protesters decided on July 18th to mosey on over to the Harlem police station to call for the resignation or termination of Lieutenant Gilligan. Okay. Is that the guy that killed James? Exactly. Okay. Things got heated. Mm. Protesters started throwing bricks, bottles, anything they could get their hands on due to the thick tensions that lie between them and the police. Police began retaliating, beating people with nightsticks, and word got out that this went down, and riots began all over Harlem, and then they spread into Bedford-Stuy, a.k.a. Bed-Stuy, in Brooklyn, y'all. Okay. Now, these race riots lasted six days in both Harlem and Bed-Stuy. There were more than 100 injuries, 450 arrests, and $1 million in property damage. Which... Don't sign it bad for six days. But well, then again, this it? is 1964. Right. We all know that these were not the first and would not be the last of riots due to racial injustice. But it was a huge footprint on Harlem when it comes to civil rights. And Harlem basically showed folks, we're not going to be silent. We're not backing down. We are pissed. And you're going to hear about it. Wow. Period. Every time. Shout out to Harlem. (laughs) Shout out to the big mouths that grew up in Harlem. We love y'all. We need y'all. Yes. Yes. And thank you, sister, for that trip down history lane. It is my due diligence and my honor to do this. (laughs) Kristen, please get it together. This fucking (laughs) bonnet on. I don't want to even look at you. Okay. (laughs) Leave me alone, Lolo. Okay, so William James Boskett Jr. was born on December 9th, 1962 in Harlem, New York. Willie grew up in Harlem, and if you know anything about Harlem, child, you can't be just fucking around in Harlem, okay? You can't go up in Harlem if you don't know nobody. You need to know, matter of fact, at least seven people that are good with everybody, and then you show up in Harlem, period, especially if you're black, <laughs> okay? They, they don't fuck around. So imagine that in the 60s, the 70s, that's when he was like at his prime in adolescence, especially when his father was never in his life. And by the age of nine, his mother couldn't even fucking deal with him. Dang, he was that naughty? Kristen, beyond naughty, okay? She had to send him to reform school. Well, 
I don't want to say she had to, but she sent him to reform school at nine years old. And while there, he assaulted his social workers with scissors, metal chairs. He set other inmates on fire. Okay. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that they call them inmates, but they called it reform school, I think, in a way not to call it like juvenile detention. (laughs) Yeah, because that's basically what it was. When he was evaluated by doctors, he would threaten to kill them and burn the hospital down. Mm, where did he learn this violence from? Oh, sister, we're going to get to it. So, Well, we're going to get to speculating about it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So they diagnosed him with severe antisocial personality disorder. Like mm-hmm. one of them. He was prescribed antibiotics or antipsychotics. Sorry. But they didn't <laughs> help his behavior. Huge difference. He was prescribed the antipsychotics, but it didn't help at all. So basically, he's not like sick, but he's sick. Mm. You get me? So basically, the diagnosis was probably bullcrap, and he's angry because he wants to be, question mark? I don't know. Who's to say that all prescribed drugs can help mental health issues? It's not like a 100% type of situation, especially when he's this young. So and and where's the line that's drawn between mental health and emotional health? Oh, Kristen, you better say that, girl. Like you, you better know? say that cuz emotionally you can suffer then that can make you start suffering mentally. Yeah, and you I don't think me? there's any pills and drugs to really cure emotional health. No, no. You got to address that shit in the fucking face. Period. So by age 15, which is if you're on Patreon, you see it right now. This is what he looked like at 15. Willie claimed that he had committed at least 2,000 crimes, including 200 armed robberies and 25 stabbings. Mm, I think Willie's feeling himself. Fuck if you feeling me. So yeah, he's probably feeling himself, sister. Let's be Mm -hmm. real. But he also is probably somewhere near it because he was completely entirely horrible. And I'm thinking at this point in my research, like this little kid, he's not obviously little, but he's 15 years old. He's going around putting a gun in people's faces, you know, threatening to kill them. Like, how the fuck did he get here? Yeah, I really want to know. Like, from the time of nine, your mom puts you in a reform school. Mm -hmm. I need to know what you was up to because I don't even think reform school is free. I don't know what reform school really means. Like I said, I think they just said that to put a Band-Aid on the term juvenile detention. But can you voluntarily send your kid there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Kristen. We don't know. Well, to really take a look at where he came from, we're going to have to go back into his family tree a little bit. I love shit like this. You know it. I love going back and seeing where these people came from and kind of like figuring out how the killer's parents' lives were and seeing Mm -hmm. if there's a connection, you know? Yeah, you like history. I do, I do. Like in this situation, I was like, maybe the apple didn't fall far from the tree. And Apple Willie didn't fall far at all, okay? He actually had a lot in common with his dad, someone he never even fucking met. See? And people think it's just nurture. No, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's nature too. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into it. So William Boskett Sr., who went by Butch, okay? Mm. Never trust a guy that goes by the name Butch. Butch. Are you okay? He was abandoned by his parents when he was a baby and was instead raised by his grandmother in Augusta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. 
Augusta. Augusta. William's grandmother worked as a laundress, which means like a person that does laundry for a Mm -hmm. family of the root of the caucus. And so Butch basically spent most of his time by himself roaming the streets, doing whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Okay. So he had no parental control. No guidance. Well, little to none. At age nine, Willie Sr. was locked up in the same reform school his son would later go to, which oh, is pretty wow. crazy. This is prophetic. Willie's father was extremely smart, and Willie was too, actually. People used to comment on how intelligent he was. They mm-hmm. were shocked by it. But yeah, Willie Sr. was so smart that he actually became the first inmate in history ever, in American history, to graduate Phi Beta Kappa from college while in prison. Wow. So I don't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know if he was actually like a official member, but in order to qualify to be a member, you have to have a GPA of 3.8 to 4.0 and he qualified. So period. All he had to do was keep his head down mm-hmm. and get to the business. I don't know if he kept his head down, but he was smart enough to pursue higher education while in jail. Period. Also, I would love to say, like, back in the day, I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of old men, you could tell by their faces that they old, but they mm-hmm. got some nice bodies. Mm. It's like maybe, like, self-care back then, working out was just yeah. the norm. Also, while you're in prison, you know, men usually look better mm-hmm. because they have less time to fuck off and more time to work out. Mm-hmm. So when Butch was released, he was working two jobs, one as a computer programmer for an aerospace company in Milwaukee. Dang. I know. And the other one, he trained undergraduates in computer science at the University of Wisconsin. And he was a whole hoodlum. I mean, a a hood, a street nigga. A reformed hoodlum. I'm here for it. You put your mind to it, you can do it period and he did it so i was like is he a professor but he was more of like a teacher's assistant which is basically like still incredible from coming from prison and then teaching out of college and he went to hotel prison oh yeah which means he probably did something pretty serious he was like an armed robber mm-hmm. so you know he was <laughs> yeah what do you an like armed robber or an armed robber <laughs> oh <laughs> Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But that shit didn't last. By the early 1980s, Butch was back in prison for sexual assault. He'd apparently raped his girlfriend's six-year-old daughter. You disgusting piece of filth. I'm throwing every tomato ever. I'm throwing feces at you. Like, ew. Disgusting. That same sick-in-the-head woman... So the girlfriend would go on to help Butch escape prison by dressing up as a prison nurse and I guess like sneaking him out. Mm, mm, mm. Needs an ass whooping. Somebody should have whooped her ass for sure. Mm -hmm. And this happened in 1985. But the pair didn't get far. They were chased by police and a shootout ensued. Okay, Uh where the fuck did Butch get a gun i don't fucking know but he had one and when he got down to the last two bullets he shot his girlfriend in the head killing her and then turned the gun on himself and he died that day yeah oh he was real nuts Mm -hmm. i was like you won't take me alive what was the point what's the point i mean i would have asked the girlfriend do you want to go out like this or nah he didn't even ask 
Well, from what I, it seems like. I don't expect him to give a shit about her well-being. But in my head, I'm just like, what was the point of him risking his life in that way and then taking it? I just don't get it. Maybe he just really did not want to go back to prison. Hmm. Well, that's the case. He deserved prison. That's for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. So this is really when I was starting to think about the nature versus like nurture situation. And I hadn't really figured out what happened to Willie Jr. So I was like, oh my gosh, is he going to go down like a blaze of gunfire or some shit like that? So I was like, what caused Willie Sr. to be this way? So we had to take another look into the past. Mm. And we're going to look at Willie's dad. Period. His name is James Boskett. So James was born in South Carolina, but more so raised in Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Mm -hmm. James got married pretty young, but decided that life wasn't like for him. So he just left his family. Okay. Mm -hmm, Which was Butch's mom and Butch. He took a train to Washington, D.C. and decided to start robbing stores. Okay. Who just the first thing to do is just, well, let me just go rob people. I don't got it. Let me just go Steal it from somebody else. Let me leave my entire family where they are. They're better off without me. And mm-hmm. then let me go cut up. Okay. Mm-hmm. He wasn't good at getting away with it <laughs> and was caught many, many times and spent years in jail on armed robbery charges. Once he was released from prison, the final time he was an heavy duty alcoholic and ended up dying from liver disease at age 57. Mm. That's young as fuck. Yeah, it is. So it seems like James was a shitty man for leaving his wife and a shitty man for robbing people, but at least he like didn't kill anybody mm-hmm. that we that we know of. Right. I was able to find out more info about Willie's lineage that I found really interesting and I wanted to share it with you guys. So shout out to Fox Butterfield, a man of the root of the caucus who took so much time with Willie and documented as much as he could about the man. If you guys want to read the book that he wrote, it's called All God's Children. You can Google it and it's like available on Kindles and shit like that. Fox. Love the name of that book. Makes me want to read it. All God's Children? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was And just to know it can have like a dark twist to it. It definitely does. He spent three hundred hour hours with that man. So imagine how much he got. Wow. So James's father and Willie Jr.'s great grandfather named Clifton, aka Pud. They used okay. to call him they used to call him Puddin. So Don't play with me. Pud. Don't put They called him Puddin. Puddin. And you came up with Pud? They called him Pud, like for short, because his nickname was Puddin. So mm. it's called Pud. Okay. Mm-hmm. We love it, don't we? We love it. And I'm trying not to, but I do. We love it. So he was born in 1889 into a sharecropping family. According to historians, the 1890s were the worst years to be black in American history. Wow. And it's like, bitch, how about the 200 years of slavery? Yeah, but that wasn't his experience. His experience was the 1890s. Whose experience? The Who the historians? <laughs> Wait, was the historian black? <laughs> no, bitch. And you know it wasn't. He wasn't. Hmm. Okay, never mind. How you gonna tell I us what, you. what is worse for us? A white historian has no fucking no right. right to tell black people when... When was the worst time time of being black in America? Get these hands. Anyway, historically, 
This was when lynchings was at an all-time high. Segregation was all white people really had to hold on to, and they were still really pissed about it. <laughs> like, even segregation was too much integration for them. Mm-hmm. And Edgefield County, South Carolina, was one of the most violent counties in the country. Wow. Pud's cousin was one of the first men to be hanged in the county, and Pud witnessed it. Mm-mm-mm. That'll change a man. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just racist violence, though, like that was in that city. The white people were fucking hardcore. The county was known as Bloody Edgefield, which mostly Scottish-Irish immigrants were, like, migrating there. And Benjamin Franklin himself referred to those people as, quote, white savages. (laughs) Oh, have you ever met an Irishman? You know, they lived by a code. And it was if you insulted a man, cheated him, or cast a covetous eye upon his wife, he, he had the right to kill you. Like, that was what was expected. Well, and then they look at black people for throwing hands like we're savages. Well, we don't just be throwing hands, Chris. Mm. You know? And they get shot at a bodega over <sighs> 99 cent. You know? There was even a woman named Beth Cotton that skewered her first husband, poisoned her second, and axed her third. Okay. Mm-hmm in that county, but was eventually murdered by her own brother. (laughs) This is insane. I know. I was like, I want to look into that, but she's of the root of the caucus. So I'll probably just look at that my own time. We can't cover it like here, but yeah, I thought that was crazy. And she was actually acquitted of the murders, all three murders because she was like crying and they said she was beautiful. So the jury was like, no, she didn't do it. So when in doubt, women have a trial by jury. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. Because if you're fucking the judge, you're in good hands. All state stands. Are you in good good hands? hands? (laughs) Goodbye. So Pud himself had been whipped several times. And one day he got fed up with that bullshit and decided to do something about it. So Pud grabbed the whip from the white man's hand and said, quote, Don't step on my reputation. Period. Not don't whip me, but snatch. Don't step on my reputation. Don't step on my manhood. Don't step on what I'm known for. Don't play in my face. Don't play on my name. Don't play with me. On my top. On my dome cap. Period. So Wow, pug. Yeah, he said enough of that. Like as and that's so crazy because it just shows we could take the whip anytime if we want it. It's not that you're stronger than me. Mm-hmm. It's because I feel like if I do something could happen to me or my family. But that man took that whip. What happened? Yeah. I think slavery was definitely like a mental thing. They mm-hmm. like broke them down psychologically and the fear was just crippling. Yeah. And then use physical means to back it up. Mm-hmm. So word spread that Pud was a defiant Negro. So no white person (laughs) hired him again. Ed Pud had to resort to robbing and stealing and eventually ended up on the chain gang. And the chain gang. That's the sound of a man working on the chain gang. Have you ever heard that? Never in my life. Oh, wow. Me and Terrell sing it all the time. But chain gang means like he went to jail. Oh, okay. 
So when Pud was released from jail in 1924, he was hired by a white moonshiner to carry moonshine from the still. And one day the man was teaching Pud how to drive. So Pud was driving, the man was in the passenger seat, whatever. Both men were drunk at the time of this, okay? It was a Sunday morning and they crashed. Oh. Yeah. Both men were ejected from the car and when they were discovered, they were laying next to each other dead with an oh. empty jar of corn whiskey between them. Wow. Mm. The way they wrote that, it was like they were lovers. And I'm like, Literally. If, they were lovers, if they were lovers, they went out together. Thank God for that, question mark. <laughs> and thank God they didn't hurt anybody. Hurt anybody else, but they definitely took themselves out. Wow. Mm-hmm. And just for kicks, we're going to go back one more time to Aaron Boskett, who was Pud's father and was born a slave in either Maryland or Virginia. He and his family minute. were sold. Oh, go Wait on. How in the world you know this much about a family that ain't even yours? You can go Kristen. back to when that nigga was a slave. But <laughs> <laughs> the only time we've gone back is to our great-grandmother. Kristen, I'll tell you one thing before I tell you another, bitch. I wrote it at the end of this case. Like, how the fuck do I know everything about this man? Five generations back, and I don't know shit about... Callie May, you know, and we just or Essie May, okay, well, you know, you need to cut it out. What? Because I didn't make that connection until you just said that. Bitch, I didn't make that connection until I just said that. Callie May and Essie May. And both of them are our great grandmothers. And Essie May used to host parties where everybody their mom would come around. <laughs> and Callie, and Callie May, May used to kill that. people. And, well, and she was in that area at the time. Well, shit. Who knows? Ooh. It's too much. Anyway. anyway, the reason why there's so much known about his family is because Fox, whatever his last name was, did his thing. I mean, he really took his time to do his research, his diligence. And he knew the importance of a person's family and the line they come from does have an effect on them. Yep. And violence in America. Wow. So Pud's father was born, like I said, a slave in Maryland or Virginia, and he and his family were sold multiple times and ended up in South Carolina. He received the name Bosket from one of the owners at that time. So that's how they got their names. Mm. A few years later, the family was sold to Francis Pickens and Pickens actually became South Carolina's governor and led them to be the first state to succeed to the Union Army. Okay. Yeah. When like the Civil War was going on. Yes. And for those of you who don't know, the unions were fighting on the good side. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure most of the white people in South Carolina are still pissed about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. Because we won. Get with the times. <laughs> so from this look at Willie's family heritage, we can see that violence was introduced to all of the men at pretty young ages. And for me, it seems like armed robbery was their means of providing for themselves. And the murder or sexual assault aspect kind of like incorporated itself later. Like trickled in like a sly snake. Right. Like after being in the game for so long, it's kind of like how they say weed is a gateway drug. You start with something and then it leads to fucking heroin, which obviously I don't agree with, but to each their Big own. Big jump there. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, you know, they say you take steps down the ladder and I think that's kind of what armed robbery was for this family. Okay. This generation of men. And looking at all the men and all the horrible things they've done, I think Willie was probably the worst one. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Girl, here it comes. So Willie was released from juvenile custody, the reform school, in 1977, and he was completely the same, if not worse than when he went in. Just six months later, Willie and his cousin, Herman Spates, would spend 10 days terrorizing the people of Harlem, riding the trains and just robbing anyone they could. And they're young. Yeah, they're 15. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I was 15, we felt like we were fearless. Nothing could hurt us. We were out doing whatever we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Still had good hearts, but we're just wild children. Oh, yeah. But also at the same time, we didn't grow up in like a very violent area. Like we were fucking bunny hopping all around the country. So we didn't see that. No, we didn't. So there was a difference in that aspect. And at this point in my research, I was like, where are his guardians? Like he just got out of kid prison and he's just on the streets. Yeah, where's mama at? Well, his mom... She washed her hands clean of him when she dropped him off at reform school at nine years old. She was done with it. Yeah, so she hasn't been a part of his life. So at that time, there was a foster family that was in the process of adopting him. And because the state needed time to process those adoption papers, Willie was kind of just like in the wind. Mm -hmm. Just when shit was finalized, that's when he came back and they would give a shit. So during his robbery spree, he found $380 in the wallet of a sleeping man on the train and used some of the money to buy a gun. Mm, Willie. It was a 22 caliber pistol and Willie paid $65 for it. And he's probably thinking I'm investing in myself and my craft (laughs) and my business. Yes. (laughs) He bought a holster and strapped it like to his leg and he said he felt powerful having like his gun strapped to his leg i'm sure he did i'm not really sure what the fuck that would look like i was trying to picture it i was like it's not giving sir but (laughs) he's also a kid so i get it he must have a skinny leg (laughs) well on sunday march 19th 1978 at around 5 30 p.m willie was doing what he does and was riding on an irt train I don't know what that is. Please don't ask me. Look it up. There was another man there on the train wearing a gold watch and was sleeping as well. Y'all can't be sleeping on On the train. Come on, bro. This is not your home. Mm -mm. It's dangerous. Willie kicked his leg, but the man didn't stir. So he started to take the watch off his wrist. Now, while doing this, Willie noticed that the man was wearing pink sunglasses and it reminded him of a man that worked at the juvenile detention place he was at and it pissed him off. So the man who was 44-year-old Noel Perez suddenly like opened his eyes and when he did, Willie pulled out his gun and shot the man through the right eye of the sunglasses into his brain. Wow, it was that serious. Just a split second decision of stupidity and and a split second decision of now it's time to kill like how Mm -hmm. do you get there i don't know and it didn't kill him the gunshot didn't immediately kill him he like raised his hands in defense and like started screaming and i guess this scared willie because he just expected the guy to just die immediately so he shot him again in the temple Mm. and that shot did kill him Mm -mm. willie took noelle's watch $15 from his pocket and his ring. He had a ring on. Noel worked in a hospital and lived by himself at the time. And yeah, he just didn't fucking deserve to be gunned 
down like that. That's very corny and childish of Willie. Yep. Well, he was a child and he's also has incredible amounts of rage at such yeah. a young age. Yeah. Rest in peace is Noel. Rest in peace. So because Willie and Noel were the only two on the IRT train, no one saw what happened. And to Willie, it made him feel like even more powerful. He'd been waiting to see what it felt like to take a life. And now that he had, it just elevated him to like a whole nother level of criminal confidence. Yeah, like let's do it again. Mm-hmm. And he was ready to wreak some more havoc. So he and his cousin, the Heyman guy, whatever, Hyman, would end up shooting another man to death named Moises Perez in a similar situation on a train, and they robbed him. Mm. So rest in peace to Moises. Rest in peace. He also was not related to Noel. I know they have the same last name, but there was no relation. Okay. And before that, they shot a transit employee in the Linux yard adjacent to the Harlem 148th Street Station. But thankfully, he survived, so he didn't die. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not sure how Willie would get caught for the crimes. I couldn't find any like direct information on that, but he was caught and arrested for both murders. And because he was only 15, right. And because he was only 15 at the time of the murders, he was going to be tried in family court. Okay. I mean, shooting people in cold blood and you're being tried as like a kid. I get where people could get upset about that. Me too. Because they did. Yeah, I mean, killing is killing, regardless mm-hmm. if you're a kid or not. But I get it. The prefrontal cortex is not fully formed. So. A GGBGG, a GGBG. Like, I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what it means to take someone's life at 15 years old. You whether do know what it means. And you whether do know that it's wrong. Whether your cortex is fully formed or not, it's hard for me to give an excuse to someone that knows right from wrong. Yeah, because then you would have to give excuse to the person who's now 38 but had trauma done to her when she was 15. So now she still has the mindset of a 15-year-old. And then she goes off and sluts, slits someone's throat. Mm-hmm. You're going to be looking at her like, well, let's try her as an adult. And she still has the mind of a 15-year-old because she was traumatized and did yeah. not continue to grow. Yeah. So that's sticky. It really does get super hazy. That's why the justice system is just like, it's not one size fits all. You just fucking... Do whatever you want to do, basically. To each judge his own. There you go. So he didn't even want to like really face trial. And he ended up pleading guilty to both murders and was sentenced to only five years in a youth facility. No way. Way. Many people were outraged, like I said before. So outraged that New York actually had to create a law. And in 1978, they created the Juvenile Offender Act of 1978. And that allows children as young as 13 years old to be tried as adults. Okay, I see. I could say I agree. It's hard to watch people get off with murder for free. Mm-hmm. No matter how old they are. Or young. Or young they are. Mm-hmm. So after this decision, many other states followed suit Now, more than 100,000 kids per year are tried as adults. I mean, Lord, what what, what, what is this world coming to? What are these children doing? I blame it on the video games. I blame it on the parents. And video games. And video games. Because the parents let the kids play the video games. Yeah. And there's just so much. I don't, you know what? There's so much to blame and so many things Mm -hmm. to blame. Mm -hmm. I blame everyone. 
I blame us all. (laughs) I blame myself. (laughs) (laughs) So Willie escaped from the youth facility in 1979. He escaped, Kristen. Couldn't even do the five years. Refused. But was only out for like two hours before he was caught again and was sentenced to four more years for the escaped attempt. Oops. Mm -hmm. All right, Willie, slow down. Take your time for you end up in prison for life. And so you're 29. (laughs) He was released from custody in 1983, but wouldn't stay a free man long at all. He'd find himself back in prison just 100 days later after trying to rob and stab a 72-year-old half-blind man. Wow. Like, ew. Those are the corniest type of killers to me who prey on the weak. Yeah. If you attack old defenseless people and young children, you are just scum of the earth. Mm -hmm. And this time, he was really going to prison, like the real prison. Pull your drawers down. Let me see what you're about, prison. Pull your drawers down and cough twice (laughs) type of prison. (laughs) So once in prison as an adult, because mind you, he's only been in juvenile facilities dealing with kids. Now he's like with the big boys. As he should be. As he deserved to be. And Kristen, he didn't, they didn't have shit on him. (laughs) From the jump, Willie walked in there like he ran the fucking place. And he was, Kristen, he was vicious about it too. Kayla, where did he learn it from? If if no one was there to influence him in the right way, who the heck influenced him in the wrong way? I mean, if we're being honest, if we want to talk about nurture versus nature, nature obviously played a part because he did too close to similar things as his father, right? Someone he'd never even spent time with, never even met. But I also want to say that the nurture part, maybe because he was in such a violent area, you know, Harlem, and and he had to basically take care of himself for so long. It was just inevitable for him to be exposed to it. Yeah, and he took it and ran with it and turned into a beast. Yeah, fucking dirty lowdown, psychotic, untrustworthy, crazy, murderous beast. Someone who turns from just surviving to now thriving in the mess. Oh, loving it. On April 16th, 1988, Willie was in the visiting room of the New York State Prison when he stabbed prison guard Earl Porter in the chest. Come with, on. With an 11-inch blade, bitch. Kayla, where did he get it from? He was... Wh- wh- okay. Mm-hmm. Everyone slow down here. Where did he <laughs> get the blade? Great question. They were giving him a typewriter to use to like do his legal classes because he was in school, I guess. And he took one of the metal strips from the typewriter and then just sanded it down to like an ice pick. Mm, mm, mm. It was perfect, really. Kayla, it's horrible. And probably one of the reasons why they don't want people in prison to be going to no school. We can't trust you. No, you can't be trusted. Some some can't be trusted. And he definitely should have just been lock him up, throw away the key. And I'm sorry to say that, but that's how I feel. Mm. The blow was only a fraction of an inch away from piercing Earl's heart. And authorities believe that that's what Willie was aiming for. AKA like this would be an attempted murder charge. Duh. Mm-hmm. Anybody who uh, stabs another person is attempting to do something. That is not a good thing. That's what I think, but I've seen people stab somebody and get charged with like aggravated assault. Mm. Just ridiculous, but yeah. 
According to Willie, the only regret that he had was not killing Porter and spitting on his corpse. Wow. Willie. Horrific. Horrific. You've just been naughty, mean, gross, aggressive all your life. Mm-hmm. And he said it's not because he hated Earl. It was just because he represented the system that he hated. He fucking hated the system. Well, you stayed in it all your life. I wonder why. I guess he refused to abide by the rules of the system. That's why he was always in the system. But it's like, all you have to do is not rob and steal and hurt people. It's literally all you have to do. You know, and also like sometimes not be black. And we know that you can't. (laughs) There you go. Well, there you go. But the least you could do is not rob and steal. At the very least. Don't give them a reason to be up your ass. More than the reason they've already conjured the fuck up. Correct. So he admitted in this letter to court. He actually wrote a letter to court confessing his crime. He even acted as his own attorney because he refused counsel. So now he wants to play the system or play with the system. Yeah, because we know that he thinks he's better than everybody. He's smarter than everybody because he probably is. If we're being technical, his IQ is probably higher than everybody else's. But it doesn't mean you can play them. They're the ones that created the system. Of course you can try, but it's kind of just like trying to beat the master at his own game. And that's what Mm -hmm. he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. So this is him. Let's take a look. Look at Willie. (laughs) So this is him. Looking all animated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He thinks he's somebody preacher. He's not. Obviously, he's not like an unattractive man. And he was very, like, persuasive, manipulative, just attention hungry, just a A nightmare. A definition of a narcissist. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So that's what we're dealing with. Hmm. In the letter, he also wrote, quote, why am I so bitter? Why am I so angry towards the system? The reason is because Willie Boskett has been incarcerated since he was nine years old and was raised by his surrogate mother, the criminal justice system. Mm. This being <laughs> this being the case, Boskett is only a monster created by the system he now haunts. Shit. I get it. I mean, but- I loved the poetry in that mm-hmm. but at the same time you had every chance to not be in the system like even right. from the time he was nine years old cutting up oh yeah it's giving choice it's giving i married the system and i gave full consent Kristen, mm-hmm. yes he gave full consent to be turned into whatever he's claiming the system turned him into mm-hmm. because not from anything that i could see like the case we covered last week who was it uh fuck what was his name we just andre he tried at least he reached out and was going to places and seeing what he could do to get help what the fuck did this kid do not much it seems not much at all not much at all so he tried not only to kill that prison guard earl he smashed a lead pipe on another guard's skull he'd set his cell on fire at least seven times choked a secretary Beat up one of the reformatory teachers with a nail-studded club. How did you even find that? Kristen, they have time on their hands. Nothing but time. Beat up a psychiatrist. Tried to blow up a truck. Sodomized other inmates on the regular. Uh Oh, yeah, Kristen. He was one of those type of guys. Oh, no. He used to be put down. (laughs) 
like, oh, you're violating like that. Oh, it's a wrap. You're violating like that, like that. No it's remorse, and you just lashing out like you think you can just put your hands on people. Somebody needs to put their hands on you. Mm-hmm. And then he also mailed a death threat to Ronald Reagan, who I guess was like president at the time. Whatever, I don't care. But basically, he's like Tasmanian devil from Looney Tunes in the flesh. Ten times worse. Cutting up. In the worst way. So because of his homicidal and abusive behavior, the prison had to do something special for Willie. They had to build him a special dungeon at the Upstate Woodburn Correctional Facility in 1989. Yo, called it a dungeon. <laughs> Kristen, that's basically what it was. Let me tell you about it. Mm-hmm. It's basically like a cage. It's lined with p- plexiglass so he has to he could be seen at all fucking times there was three to four cameras pointed at him at all times whether he's showering or shitting they didn't care and when he gets a visitor call he has to be chained backwards to the inside of his cell door so like when the door opens it just like smashes him in between the door and the wall so he can't move at all oh wow yeah they were trusting this, this negro for a second and a half. They're like, we can't transfer him. We got to keep him. Okay. Well, some things need to change around here. Oh, yeah. He was being, he tried to kill a guard. Like, what are you supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Lighting his cell on fire. Like, that's a hazard to now the whole entire building. And he didn't, he wasn't concerned with any of that at all. No, he liked it. He reveled mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. That was the whole reason why he did all that. Okay. They talk about a woman scorned. Shoot, yeah. they should be talking about Willie scorned. And the way that he was feeling, it's like it was years in the making. Like he really took some shit that they did or whatever happened to him very personally. And maybe he was abused. And that would make sense. He was also prone to like throwing poop and food at the guards. So they wanted like as little contact as they could with him as possible. Mm-hmm. And per protocol, they aren't even allowed to speak to him at all. Like no communication whoa even the guy's words will hurt mm-hmm. i mean i think they just think it's his level of manipulation like he's really that dangerous wow it's given hannibal lecter it's giving <laughs> like the avengers locking up like a powerful villain yeah he was crazy they even had to remove the light fixtures because he would take the bulbs out and eat them prove like yeah bitch i'm hardcore don't fuck with me and that's the thing that's annoying it's like you don't really even have real mental health issues in the sense of doing things and not understanding why you do them mm-hmm. or something like that you're doing this on purpose <laughs> that's, I, it's that's just what a I big think. kid throwing a tantrum it's just rebellion oh that's what i see i just see rebellion and anger mm. And when you look at him, he's like 5'9", around 150 pounds, right? Like, mm-hmm. not even a huge, intimidating guy. But because of his manipulation, they were just like, we're not going to take the risk. And I get it. According to Fox Butterfield, Willie had at least 200 different books in his cell. He liked to talk about B.F. Skinner and Dostoyevsky. Mm. who were like people that studied psychology, science of the mind, and they're actually still talked about today. Willie said, quote, I'm really a loving and caring person. I hunger for knowledge. My pain and suffering have stroked my ability to be intellectual. If the system wasn't so quick to incarcerate me as a child, I would have become a well-known attorney. 
I could have been a senator, end quote. The system incarcerated you because you were physically assaulting people and robbing them at gunpoint at a very young age. You were violently assaulting people. I'm just confused. I guess what I would think he's saying is like, I wish I had parents to discipline me. Yeah. You know, and like the justice system, as much as you would like it to be, it's not your parent. Right. And that's why he said, oh, that was my surrogate mother or whatever. But it's like, shoot, you got the wrong one for that. If you wanted anything a mother gives, love, care, discipline, any of that, you wasn't going to get it from the justice system. Definitely not the one fault. Not the, not America's justice system. You know? That part. He considers himself to be a political prisoner and wants to basically kill anyone who represents oppression. In regards to the death penalty conversation, he said, quote, Willie Bosket is going to keep striking. If they bring back the death penalty, I won't kill. I'll just maim. I want to live every day I can just to make them regret what they've done to me. End quote. Yeah, that's somebody that ain't got no business. Also, maybe someone that was, like I said, abused and is just in a blind rage, doesn't know how to process it, taking it out on fucking any and everybody. Yep. Like he has found his target and he is now focusing in on it and he will execute. And I think the only saving grace is that they caught him early enough to where he didn't have this crazy body count. Because looking at him right now, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like 13, 14, 15 people. He could have been one of the killers, like one of the biggest killers that we've known. Most notorious. Yeah, You can tell by the Mm -hmm. way he speaks. He, he has this air about himself that doesn't seem like anything can check him or anyone can check him. And that's dangerous. I mean, I, I can feel that way, too. Like, but who are you going to tell? Like, you can't tell me nothing. But at the same time, I'm not like a homicidal fucking maniac. That part. I think some of the things that kind of humanize these people are they do have emotions that we have, you know? Yeah. But the way they process them is completely different. Very different. So Willie actually sued the Woodburn facility for cruel and unusual punishment, but I didn't see anywhere that he was actually successful. So Mm -hmm. it's basically like, sir, you put yourself in this box that we created for you. Mm -hmm. He was also upset that authorities ignored him when he offered to donate his mind to science. He claimed that he wanted professionals to be able to study him so that they could find a way to stop people from becoming like him. Well, they should have did that. Mm, But given his horrible track record with manipulating people and violating people any chance that he could get, the authorities at the prison just feel like it's another attempt by him to get attention. The New York's commissioner of correctional services even said, quote, it's all just theater with Willie and we try not to give him a stage. Mm. (laughs) I can feel that. I can see that. And he's still, he was so young going in. So, you know, he was still trying to get his limelight messages from bitches. You know, he was on that. Mm-hmm. He probably wanted to be notorious. And that would have been okay for him being locked up every day for the rest of his life. As yep. long as people knew his name. Yep. And he already shown himself to be thirsty for media attention. One day on the way to court, he kicked a guard who was removing his leg manacle and then yelled to reporters did you get that picture did you get that on film corny yeah cornball behavior i stopped maturing at eight (laughs) behavior yeah but he's very very smart still 
Oh, and remember when he stabbed Earl Porter? Well, he did that in front of a newspaper reporter Mm. who he enlisted to write his life story. And Willie said about the attack, quote, sensationalism sells newspapers and the system and the system responds to violence, end quote. Kayla, I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. He should have been a researcher himself because Very he's smart. done. He clearly knows how to research and he knows his target. He knows mm-hmm. the justice system, I guess. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get you to listen to what he's saying. That's for sure. Like, I'm definitely intrigued by what he has to say. Mm-hmm. And if I'm loose minded or weak, you know, I could fall into a trap. Mm-hmm. He sounds like one of these um, IG influencers today. <laughs> go off sis speaking of the newspapers they were loving the tea and were f- referring to willie as quote the baby-faced butcher mm. because you know he was so young he started m- murdering just horrible willie would go on to say quote i can say with all conviction that genetics has played a role in what i am but what i learned from my father's life was never to conform to the system never to forgive as he did I'm not broken and never will be. I was born with nothing. I grew up with nothing. I don't have nothing now and I never will have nothing. No one can take nothing from you. End quote. Oh, just sounds like a lot of self-pity to be fair. It definitely sounds like a broken man. It sounds like an angry, angry man. Mm -hmm. Fox Butterfield, who was an investigative journalist for decades, said this about Willie, quote, Willie Boskett opened a door on a besettling national problem. Any so-called civilized society should be extremely concerned with the sociological, criminological, penological, and hereditary implications involved in the Willie Boskett case, end quote. So basically just saying, which everybody needs to know to see the signs. Yeah. Research this case, see the signs, because this may be more prevalent in society than we think. Yeah. And it's dangerous. So today, Willie Bosca Jr. is 60 years old. He has about 65 more years in solitary confinement. And that's if he lives that long. Mm. I wonder if it was worth it for him. I truly do. Like being a menace to society, ruining his fucking life, taking those lives. Was it worth spending three fourths of your life in a box? Yeah. When you you talk about donating your mind to science, you could have done that if you had just acted right. Oh, 100%. You could have studied yourself. You could have studied your father, your heritage, something like that. Yeah. But you chose. These are choices. No one forces us to put a gun to someone else's head and shoot them unless they actually force us, you know? Mm-hmm. I just hate when people like blame other people for how they ended up. And that's it's- easy for us to say because we were put in a shit position early in life, but we chose a different path you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we just want everyone to be happy and love everyone else <laughs> no shade just and if you can't do that at least mind your business yes keep your hands to yourself don't fucking worry about what the fuck the next person doing jail mm-hmm. worry about how you're gonna play for gas and get to work what about how you gonna pay your bills okay your bills your bills friend your bills but yeah that's our case for this week Wow. Okay, Willie. Willie was um 
Not really that exciting. I mean, the I mean, he wasn't himself, but his story yeah. really wasn't. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of glad that it wasn't as exciting. I'm glad mm-hmm. that they caught him while he was young. Because yeah, me if too. they didn't, he would probably be notorious to this day. Right. Right. Like it gives me a bad feeling in my stomach just thinking about if he was able to stay out longer than he did. Just I can't even imagine. And he doesn't seem like he's going to be stopping anytime soon. I mean, I didn't see anything recently from his behavior in prison, but who knows what he's doing in there? Yeah. Maybe who knows what he down. can do if he's in a fucking box? He can't do shit. Mm-hmm. I wonder so, if he's yeah. in that same cell. Good Lord. That's that's torture right there. Yeah. Let us know what you guys thought about this episode. Please hit us up on our social medias. You guys have us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And if you don't, all of those links are going to be in the description of this episode. Please rate us five stars if you enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Actually, do both. It's free to do both. It really helps our show get out to everyone in the world. And yeah, we love you. We appreciate you. Yes. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, and send us your questions that you have for us about our time in the C-U-L-T. You can email us, send us a DM, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. I guess we'll be open books that day. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure Kristen's had a couple drinks. No, you won't. Okay, well, I love you very much, sister. We'll see what happens. Okay, I love you too. I love you guys. And with that being said, be safe. Protect your peace and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case. Period. Bye. Every time. Bye. You have a right to kill me. You have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.